Let's go now, though, to our Brant Rugby World Cup expert. Brant, your local John Deere equipment supplier, commentator Ken Laban is with us now. Ken, thank you so very much for your time. Uh, let's talk a bit of Ranfurly Shield first and foremost, should we? The game itself, before we get into what's eventuated afterwards, because it was a stunning result. Did you see it coming? Um, well, I was in... Um I was in Dunedin when uh, I called the game when Hawke's Bay took the shield off um, Otago. Um, And during their most recent successful run of defending the shield, I'd called quite a few of those games. Um, And I also called the game when Wellington took the shield off Hawke's Bay um, last year. And then uh, I was in the house with Pity Redford and I who called the game on the weekend. We were both in Hawke's Bay last year when they lost it. Um, So, you know, if anybody understands um, the importance and the emotion that swirls around um, the Ranfurly Shield, it's Hawke's Bay. Um, They are four from four in Shield challenges. Um, And nobody, I don't think, other than the most diehard supporters of Hawke's Bay would predict that they would win given... Wellington went in the game 9-0 this mm-hmm. year and on an 18-game um, winning streak. So uh, by whatever measure, it was a stunning performance, um, a, a stunning upset. And I think, it, you know, aside from the latest drama that's carried on about the state of the shield, I thought it was a fantastic win for Hawks Bay. I've been up there the last two NPC games I've called up there. They had 6,500 uh, one game and ten and a half thousand in the other. So they're the most supportive provincial team in the NPC, in my view. A wonderful atmosphere at McLean Park for their home games, um, and you compare that with the uh, declining and almost pathetic crowds that are turning up to a number of the other mm. so-called big provinces. So, you know, from uh, from that point of view, I'm really, really happy for um, for Hawke's Bay to win the Shield. As for the drama that's followed in the last um, in the last 48 hours, um, it's not the first controversy around the first Shield, uh, around the Ranfurly Shield. They're not the first team to have some drama um, around the Ranfurly Shield, but whoever posted that on my online, either a Snapchat or, or TikTok, they need to find whoever that was, take him out the back and shoot them, because um, unfortunately for them, um, all this drama has really uh, it's impacted negatively on the mm. province, uh, and they don't they don't they don't deserve that. The people who run Hawks Bay, um, the rugby union, and you know it's a small world, a small country we live in. They're great people. It means a lot, but you know this is what happens when boys celebrate, get drunk, have some fun, and and now with the twenty four seven social media scrutiny that everybody's under, um, what could have been dealt with behind closed doors like we have since time of memoriam is now a public debacle for them to have to deal with, unfortunately. Yeah, Ken, it's certainly very disappointing that, um, you know, and and I said it earlier, like I struggle to believe that it's come from within the players and hopefully it's from a member outside of the the team that's um, acted in this way and then posted it online. um, It is certainly disappointing, but, you know, it's such a great place down there and they obviously had a very tough year and it was, uh, it's just a bit of a mar on, on what was a special, would have been a special couple of days or a week down there in, in um, Napier. Yes, exactly. You know, mate, and nobody, you know, obviously all the headlines are that they were 
um, snorting cocaine, but there's been no investigation, no inquiry, no evidence. It's all it's all drama, and as we all know, bad news sells, and no one's interested in good news. So um, you know, everything will take its natural course. Um, mate, but, you know, as I said, and as you well know, it's not the first drama. There are all sorts of stories um, floating around about the Ranfurly Shield and its history that um, we could never talk about publicly. Um, so, I, you know, I just hope that one way or the other they uh, they resolve it. But it doesn't impact well on the either on the reputation or image of the Hawks Bay Rugby Union, who yeah. deserve to be in celebratory mode, not controversial mode. But you know, it's the world we live in, unfortunately. Yeah, I absolutely have no good stories about the Ranfilly Shield. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. Well, pretty Rippy was the captain when um, when Wellington took it off uh, took it off Auckland um, a few years ago. And oh shit, mate! I could tell you some stories about that. Would see, <laughs> would see a few people. And um, but you know, as you know, that's you know that that's all part of it. It was, uh, but you know. It almost seems a bit glib to say what a great game it was, given the controversy that's mm-hmm. swirling around now, and the New Zealand Rugby Union taking it back, and all that kind of stuff. So, as I say, let's just hope it gets resolved quickly. Yeah, like you say, it is. Part of me does go, but you know, it is part of it. This is kind of part of the storied history of it. I think most people who operate in any sort of rugby circles have heard stories of times in their respective provinces of parties when the Shield has been won and the Shield being present and it's in the community which is what's made it such a, a beloved piece of wood really. I've seen some commentary uh, some commentary around Ken kind of discussing whether or not this this signifies uh, the Ramfurly Shield perhaps not meaning what it once did, perhaps not carrying the same respect that it once did. But I think, and especially when I hear you talk, certainly from a player's perspective, it, it carries just as much weight as ever. Yes, exactly. Well, I remember when um, uh, Wellington weren't expected to be Hawks Bay when they took it off them. And I remember saying to Pretty Ripple when we were in commentary together, I said, oh, mate, the last thing we to do before we leave the ground is you've got to go down to the dressing room and get duplicate Khalifa and get a photo, the two of you with the shield, because they would have been the last two Wellington captains, and it's rare that, you know, they're both in the same venue at the same time on the day that it changes hands. Um, and also from a um, from a redemption uh, point of view, and I remember Pity raised that in the commentary on the weekend, the 12 months on from when they um, from when they won it, and you know some of the great Hawks Bay players um, of the past, and, and most certainly Tom Parsons, who's the current Hawks Bay captain. He, you know, he leads. He's having just an unbelievable season for line-out wins and tackles and getting around the field. Is such a great um, leader. And he's a very humble, dignified, um, tough competitor as well. So, you know, all of those all of those stories get told and retold. Um, when they change hands, and you know, I've always been a little bit cynical when Auckland, Wellington, and Canterbury have had the shield because of the lack of hype and lack of emotion um, around. Yet they go to some of those smaller towns, and that were in Otago, and that had them, and all those massive huckers at the airport when the team arrived, and special seat on the plane, and all that kind of um, stuff. Well, those are the kinds of stories and the kind of legacy that keeps the history alive and relevant. So. You know, I have nothing but praise for Hawks Bay winning the Shield back, and I hope they keep it for a couple of years at least. 
Yeah, Kenny, I, I went to the Auckland game. Uh, I was one of the eight people that went to the Auckland game when they played Hawks Bay uh, a month a month and a little bit ago. And I, I they didn't have a great game uh, that day. Auckland won convincingly. And I, I was just absolutely gobsmacked because this Wellington team has been on fire uh, that the Hawks Bay were able to produce that performance. You know, it was like absolute credit to them. They, they were, they've been down and out and they've just... Uh, you know the Wellington team has been untouchable this year. They've scored tries from everywhere. They they throw the ball around. You know they're aggressive at ruck and tackle. And you know it was just such a great performance by a, a team and a community that has been down and out this year. Yes, exactly. Right. That's one of the great things about sport is occasionally David does a big Goliath. And you, know, you look at the population disadvantage. You look at the sponsorship disadvantage. All of those, um, all of those things. And of course Wellington on an unbelievable winning streak. Um, but you know, it's the thing about you know, you know, 15 against 15 on the day. Um, it's not the first time it will happen, and, and I guess it's the uncertainty of all of this that makes sport so compelling. So, yeah, mate, I'm you know, I'm absolutely thrilled for um, for Hawks Bay, and I, you know, I'm born and bred in Wellington, but I just think it's fantastic for the game and great result, obviously, for the Shield as well. When you look forward now, of course, again, we are looking at quarter final time. Few juicy wee matchups there. I know Steve will be uh, honing right in on their Auckland Canterbury game. I'm honing in on the Taranaki Tasman one because of our respective alliances. But what are you looking forward to the most? Yeah, well, I suppose there's always you know the teams that make the top four normally are in the favoured in the favoured position. That reflects where they finish. Uh, you know, one plays eight, two's play seven. Um, so generally, it's those middle games of four against five and three against six that create the most amount of drama. Um, occasionally there's an upset where eight beats one. Um, but, you know, uh, what Hawks Bay have just proven is there's no rhyme, reason or logic mm. to anything. And, um, you know, from a sports point of view, we all love drama. We all love it when the underdog wins. And, uh, you know, I could say, wouldn't it be great if the bottom four teams beat the top four teams the first round of the playoffs? Well, nice. spe- speaking from a uh, Taranaki perspective, no, Ken, that would not be great. <laughs> I'd certainly like to see Ken. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it has been you such know, a great... Sorry, mate. It's been such a great competition this year. Like uh, Auckland getting beat by Manawa two, and you know, like teams have been able to. Every team's almost beat every other team, and it, it has been really interesting in that regard. Yes, mate. I watched the Auckland Northland game oh, yeah. uh, last weekend. Well, well, you know, mate. If we if we want to bring back, um, if we want to bring back hype and bring back interest and bring back drama, those are the kind of games that we need. And Manawa two. Winning and Northland coming within a whisker of beating um, of beating Auckland, um, middle of the road Hawks Bay tipping up uh, Wellington on an 18 game winning streak or something. Um, those are the sorts of games and sorts of contests. Um, and you know I thought that Auckland Northland game also was one of the games of the year um, as well. You know Auckland were always expected to um, to win that game, but they only they only, they only got there by the skin of the. I just I thought it was. You know, I, I agree with you, mate. There's been some terrific games in the NPC this year. Long may it last, I say. Uh, let's talk Rugby World Cup now, Ken. Uh, the AB's performance over Italy, the absolute demolition job that that was, did they show enough for you to give you confidence now going to the quarterfinals that I think perhaps for, for many was lacking after that France test particularly? Well, I think, uh, Ken... Um, 
Italy have been in the um, Six Nations competition for 23 years, and 17 times they've come last um, in their competition. So they're the worst team mm. in the um, in the Six Nations. Um, and against against the North Black team, they had to put in a couple of frustrating performances. They needed to aim up on the day, and they got not within the whisker of it. Um, and essentially, there was a number of top of All Blacks didn't didn't play, you know. So, you know, everybody's got their opinion um, on that. Um, we have to put the All Blacks in the context of not being able to beat um, Ireland, uh, South Africa, and France the last time that we played them. So, um, I think it was an encouraging performance. A uh, game that they were always going to win, but we need to see them go against the big dogs to convince us that um, that they're going to be the that they're going to be the real deal at this year's World Cup. You know, unfortunately, the big dogs don't come until quarterfinal time. <laughs> Steve, you had a question. Exactly. Yeah, mate. I just, I, I, I just think you know, I watched the French game in the first round robin match, and I just. You know, they see the first half, they're, they're amazing. The French were out on their feet and they were in all sorts of trouble. And, you know, the All Blacks were doing what they did. And then they came out the second half and just kicked all the ball away. I, I still think, you know, they're downplaying themselves a little bit and not wanting to show too much. I, I, I just don't understand why they came out in the second half against the French and kicked all that ball away. You know, they had them on the ropes and, and let them off. And I, I, I just think, you know, they've been in a training phase. They've been training hard. And I, I think there's a lot more to come out of this All Black team. Yeah, well, there were some. There were certainly some signs against um, against Italy, but um, I did. I just find it hard to get too enthused you know, that they put ninety odd points on the worst team in the Six Nations um, competition. It's not going to be like that when they get to the quarterfinals. You know, you've got to beat the teams that are in front of you. Um, something that they've struggled to do so far. So, you know, if they are if they are keeping their powder dry, mate. Well, we, we look forward to that. Um, happening, but you're not going to win the World Cup kicking the ball away, as we all know. Yeah, absolutely. When you look forward, Ken, to Uruguay uh, coming up for the All Blacks next, what what tactic would you be going for in terms of your team selection? Are you running out your top team, or are you just treating it as a as a chance to give a few guys a run ahead of quarterfinal time? Yeah, well, I've come on with a little bit old school. You know, my view is that the top fifteen plays every week. Uh, that hasn't um, that hasn't happened, but given the performance of um, Tyrell Lomax and uh, Tamaiti Williams when they came on mm. uh, from the bench uh, the other day and what they did uh, to Italy, um, you know Sam Kane obviously um, if he's fresh and healthy he's going to come back and lead the lead the team. But I'd like to see them against from now on. I'd like to see the top fifteen play every test. Yeah, I agree. I, I think they have to they have to uh, go through the combinations again. Jordy hasn't played a lot of rugby. He needs to play some more. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see Will Jordan at the back. That's that's my only thing I'd like to see. Mm. Um, but I, I don't think he's going to get a chance to do that this year unless there's an injury. He's the boy can play, can't he? Oh, mate, okay. does all right. And, and Lester, Lester, Lester on the wing. Exactly. Lester on the wing to give that punch, you know, off a, off a scrum or a set piece. He's just got the ability to beat someone and get over the avenge line and. You know, just leaving that yeah. role straight up to Geordie to do crash and bash is not so good when you can have a winger there doing it as well and helping them out. No, exactly. I think Leicester and Talia would be awesome on the wings and Jordan at the back. 
Yeah, be be terrific. But all right. Know, they need, to, they need to give you a night the big gigs, mate, and that'll happen. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, now that you've got your All Blacks uh, selectors hats on, I'll throw one at you with that uh, preferred back three combo. Is Bowden Barrett making a 23 in that case? Yeah, definitely. In what position? 23. What about, yeah, you don't have a, you need midfield cover. You've got to take, uh, you've got to take a midfield. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I just think McKenzie's our best cover for 10 and 15 and then uh, we've got to have a midfielder on oh. the field I'll, I'll let the uh, listeners stew on that one text us in your thoughts double eight double three yeah, rugby exactly. commentator Ken Laban with us there thank you so much for your time and your insight as ever we do very much value it here on the run home Ken Laban thanks to Brent who are experts in agriculture covering your equipment parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field Cause every romance shakes and it bends, don't give